Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. Super Bowl! In a couple weeks. We got the Pro Bowl this week. Uh, we just got, I mean, we, I don't count the Pro Bowl. We just got one more game. Kind of sad, kind of bittersweet. But luckily, you know, in the NFL, there's no offseason. Besides in July when I'm playing a little golf. But for the most part, we got the draft. We got free agency. We got trades. We got action happening nonstop. And I'll have you covered. I'll have you covered right here talking about the league, every story that matters, uh, podcast flowing, and subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast. I need If you listen on through Colin's feet, subscribe to the individual 3 and Out podcast. Uh, I, 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 just, I need you to do that, and everyone that has, I, I greatly appreciate it. And if you could, leave a review. If not, you know, I appreciate you subscribing. And obviously, we have the Go Low podcast coming out every Wednesday as well, right here on this feed, uh, talking golf. I think Jason Sobel from the Action Network is going to start coming on. And uh, for like 10 minutes, talk a little gambling each week. And we'll keep, you know, kind of banging out the golf podcast and obviously banging out the football podcast. I might because after the the Super Bowl, there's nothing football-wise to gamble on. I might move Friday's Middlecoff mailbag that I usually put at the end of the podcast. I might just put that for Saturday and just have a separate Saturday podcast like we do right now with, uh, with Stucky who just kind of is on the weekend by himself, me and Stucky talking, might just put the mailbag for the weekend. Uh, but I, I got to talk through that with my people. And then we'll kind of, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. But that's that's an idea that's kind of jarring around in, in this little noggin of mine. Let's, uh, let's dive into some football. Well, you know, the the game is here, but not really because we have the two-week buildup. Uh, it starts, last I saw, I think, four-point line, which is a little crazy to me because I think the Bengals are heavy, heavy underdogs. You know, if you've watched, I know they won the North, but it was a pretty bizarre season in that division with the Browns being a terrible, Baker being hurt and looking like a bottom five quarterback. The Steelers quarterback played pretty terrible as well. Somehow they made the playoffs. And the Ravens had 7 million injuries. So I, I'm not trying to disrespect the Bengals at all. To me, this line should probably be like seven or eight. Uh, but that we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I don't think it's going to change much, but you know, it's not the greatest Super Bowl. And part of it's just the Bengals. Now, at one point in time, when the Patriots made their first Super Bowl, they were fourteen point underdogs to the Mike Martz greatest show on turf Rams, and the Patriots weren't viewed as some powerhouse brand. And obviously, they become that became that twenty years later. Now they made nine Super Bowls. They went to twelve championship games. That they did a lot of winning. But I would never ever discount. You know, Joe Burrow, because I've seen him now two of three years win Ed Ogeron a ring and take the freaking Bengals 
to the uh, the Super Bowl. It's, it's really, you just say that out loud, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. It is, uh, you almost don't believe yourself, but it actually happened. And I've been thinking a lot the last 24 hours since the end of that Niner game is, and I, we used to talk about this when I worked with the Eagles. I remember Lewis Riddick used to talk about all this all the time, and, and it's so true. Situations and where you go as a young player in general is very, very important. But I do believe certain positions, if you're a great corner, Deion Sanders, you could have put him anywhere. Jalen Ramsey played for the Jags, dominated. I could have put Aaron Donald on the Jags, on the Texans, on the Minnesota Vikings, and he's going to Pro Bowls. He's becoming an All-Pro. Now, part of it at individual positions, like a defensive lineman, Trent Williams forever with the Washington football team slash Redskins, it didn't matter how shitty they were. He was kicking the living you-know-what out of whoever was against him. But as a quarterback, I am so dependent on everybody, right? I'm dependent on all 10 guys on my side of the ball, the guys blocking for me, my running backs blocking for me, running the ball, catching the ball, and my receivers. I'm, I have to factor in all the defensive players. Four or five of them are chasing me. The other eight are covering people or trying to tackle my offensive players. I have to know what they're doing. Then I'm getting a play call from an offensive coordinator, which nowadays is a lot of head coaches. And then I have the structure of all those teammates, guys on my squad, who the organization is bringing in. So much of it is out of my control. And one thing we see, and we'll talk about Tom Brady coming up, in the history of the league, some of the best players at quarterback have been associated with the best coaches. The two best players at at that position are associated with Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick. And forever, like Matt Stafford, I didn't know what to make of him. I was a fan because I rooted for the guy, and I, I got a little Al Davis in me. I like big arm quarterbacks. But I understood the argument that he was kind of overrated, whatever. Whatever the negative side you wanted to take, you could make a legitimate argument. But let's face it, he played for the Detroit Lions. And no one succeeds there. Coaches, players. I mean, the two best players retired at 30. They're like, I can't take this anymore. I am out. I am not going to play for Detroit. I mean, the meme going around right now, Stafford and Eminem, you know, being at the Super Bowl is the closest the Lions are ever going to get to the Super Bowl. It's funny. Part of what makes a joke funny is it's a lot of times it's real. Like, th- there's a lot of validity behind it. And you got with Sean McVay, like, it, there's no more arguing. We can discuss his game management. Like, Andy Reid got dinged on game management for a lot of his career. You can't argue he's an elite head coach. Like, Sean McVay is an elite head coach and is the best thing. Let me repeat, is the best thing that's ever happened to Matt Stafford that he ended up on the LA Rams. And there was a growing process. We talked about it all season long, that he was battling through these turnovers, but him going to a spot where they had a really good wide receiver, they had an offensive coach that clearly is, you know, upper echelon. They have a really, really good defense, and they have an organization an organization and a structure and a culture of winning, something that he was not used to. Think about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo was a second round pick. When you're a second round pick, especially, you know, and you're not like the top of the second round, which usually isn't great because you're going to a sheet team, any team can pick you at any moment. Teams can trade up, teams can trade down. You can go anywhere. He ends up with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady on the basically the third kind of uh, stretch of Tom's career where he wins three Super Bowls. And Jimmy's sitting front row. I think he won two of them as the backup for three and a half years, every single day. 
Matt Stafford, now obviously Matt Stafford was the number one overall pick, but goes to Detroit. This an absolute shit show on, on a yearly basis. Running through coaches, running through assistants. Defense is atrocious. They, they miss in the draft nonstop. Jimmy goes to New England, sits every single day when he's 23, 24, 25 years old. Sits next to Tom Brady. And in quarterback meeting rooms, unlike offensive line or wide receivers, there ain't seven, eight, ten guys. There is two, maybe three. It's just you and the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. It's a pretty tight-knit group. So for every day, a large portion of the day, he just got to see the greatest quarterback of all time work, listen, operate, and just take notes. Not just from the Patriots culture, but what Tom was doing. And one thing that Jimmy's kind of hung his hat on since he's been with the Niners is people really like him. He is a fantastic teammate. Well, part of that is just natural you know, ability as a guy to relate to other people. Matt Stafford had that in Detroit, right? Clearly, Joe Burrow has that. And Jimmy might have had that anyway, but you can't tell me that he didn't benefit from sitting next to Tom every day, watching Bill coach. And then when he's traded, when you get traded, you can go anywhere, right? He gets traded to Kyle Shanahan on a team that has George Kittle, Debo Samuel. The following year, they draft Brandon Ayuk. They trade for Trent Williams. Like, Jimmy's benefited a lot. And something that Matt Stafford, for the large majority of his career, like he didn't get anything to benefit off of. He just had to overcome it. And the simple fact is Joe Burrows in the uh, national championship, most people can't do what he does. Most people cannot overcome dysfunction. Most people cannot overcome in their 20s. It's one thing as we age, we get in our 40s or 50s. I'm not there yet, but hopefully like as I go to my 40s, I'm more mature than I am now. I have more experiences drawn. I am just better suited to handle different stuff. We should all get better with age, right? If you're not, you probably should look in the mirror and figure out what's going on. So Joe Burrow is just one of these rare guys. He's really more like an NBA player. I just give you Shaquille O'Neal, you're going to win immediately. I just give you LeBron James, I just give you these great players, you are going to win immediately. Well, that doesn't happen in football. Like Patrick Mahomes won immediately. He's clearly a great talent who had a shitty game. But did he benefit a lot? One, he got to sit for a year behind, I don't know, one of the highest character, smartest quarterbacks ever in Alex Smith. Not a great player, but all the intangible stuff, fantastic. He got to sit behind this guy and learn. He got to go to Andy Reid. He got to go to a team with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He benefited greatly from that. And he'd be the first to tell you, right? Now, he has taken advantage of those, the benefits and the variables around them. Because you ultimately, you have different opportunities come. You have to take advantage of it. But he has. Joe Burrow went to the Bengals, who were an absolute joke. And by year two, coming off an injury, has him in the Super Bowl. Where Matt Stafford, you know, kind of had, I, I wouldn't say lucky, because ultimately his market value was because of his talent, which is God-given. And definitely by the time you get to your th- early 30s, he's worked on it. You know, the the amount of time he spends, I'm sure, on football, 365 days a year. It might not be Tom Brady level, but it's clearly a lot. Like, he takes football really seriously. And Sean McVay was going to do everything humanly possible to get him. And it changed his life. And now, more than likely, uh, again, I'm going to pick the Rams in this Super Bowl. Minus four, I I love the Rams, actually. Uh, He's more than likely going to be a Super Bowl champ. And he's still, I'm sure the Rams are going to give him an extension. He's not going anywhere. We're seeing the organization. They will do everything anything humanly possible to add good players. They do not give a shit about draft picks. And look, as someone that loves the draft, who made a living off the draft, uh, who still loves watching the draft, like you can't argue that it worked. Like it 100% worked. And now Matt Stafford is benefiting from it. 
And, uh, you know, it's kind of going to be the tale of two quarterbacks. One guy that just could resurrect a franchise on his own. Matt Stafford was unable to do that in Detroit. In fairness, no human was able ever able to do that. One of the greatest running backs ever could not do that. One of the greatest wide receivers ever could not do that. Matt Stafford could not do that. But he got to a point or got to a situation where a lot of other high-level guys, a really good coach, an organizational structure, and, and he's thriving, especially in the playoffs where all the pressure is on him and he's really answered the bell. Beside the Kwaski tart pass, I think he's been pretty flawless all uh, all the entire playoffs. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. So to celebrate, new customers can bet $5 to win $280 in cash on either team to win if you use the promo code Colin. That's right. You get your winnings, cold hard cash, because we know cash is always better than free bets. FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. They got same game parlays. You can combine small bets for bigger wins, tons of Super Bowl props and more. Don't miss out for your chance to turn five bucks into 280 in cash. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Payouts in as little as two hours. Safe and secure. FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook. FanDuel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? 
I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Transition to Tom Brady. Uh, I'm recording this a little earlier in the day. I know he's supposed to talk to Jim Gray. He does the he does the serious hit every Monday night. I, I don't know what he's going to say. I would imagine he'll push back on retirement. Now, if he does retire, maybe I'll have to scrap this and, and, and redo this part. Uh, but even if he does, like I, I think we all assume the guy is going to retire now in terms of Darlington Schefter I don't know I I, I don't I don't quite understand it I, I don't really even care it, it does not it does not bother me uh I, I I he'll just retire whenever he retires I'm sure he wants to control the message and the timing of it but with famous people that's not always how it works and uh it's already the cat I would say he's not even out of the bag because we saw when he talked right after the season we're all like god Tom Brady, he sounds like he's going to retire. So we were already thinking it. Now, you know, I think there's one elephant in the room. Could he demand a trade, you know, to the 49ers, end his career? Now, if he, if he did, if that were to happen, which I'd be all for, the 49ers this time around would not turn him down, that feels like a pretty big stretch. Like, it feels like the reason he's retiring, as he just spoke, I mean, they were hosting, the they were the two seed. So it's not, I mean, that team's been winning right, is that he wants to be around his family more. He's 44 years old. So let's just assume he's going to retire. I uh, I started listening a couple days ago to the Seth Wickersham book on Belichick, but it's really, and, the, and Brady and the and the organization, but it's a lot on Brady. And I, I watched the Joe Montana documentary as well. And the irony is, you know, Brady grew up right by the San Francisco airport, diehard 49er fans. His dad had season tickets. Joe Montana was like his hero growing up. I think they have a lot of parallels as people and as and maybe not as much as people, but definitely as players. And both of them, one thing that's going to be interesting with the college quarterbacks moving forward is when times get tough for these guys, they transfer. When anything happens, they go, I'm out. And Brady and Joe, Joe Montana thought about quitting Notre Dame his first year. By like his third year, he told Digger Phelps, who was the college basketball coach at the time at Notre Dame, uh, I'm quitting football and I'm going to come play for you. Tom Brady thought about transferring back to Cal. Told his dad, I'm transferring back to Cal. Ultimately did not. And both of them struggled to get on the field. Joe Montana didn't really start till kind of his junior year and his senior year. Tom Brady started a little bit his junior year, I think the last five games, and then was the full-time starter his senior year. But was not like some four-year player. In this day and age, those two players one million percent would have hit the transfer portal and would be on other college teams. And for the most part, the struggle is, I always say this, adversity, any human being listening to this who's gone through any sort of adversity, personally or professionally, can utilize that to your benefit, learn from it, and become a better person, become better suited on the other side. Now, sometimes it's hard to get through the mud and the muck of whatever you're going through, but being a human being and the longer you live, you realize you're always, unless you die, going to come out on the other side. 
The sun's going to come up. The sun's going to go down. Time's going to progress and you'll get through it. And both of them did. And for the most part now with these young quarterbacks, they all transfer. That's why Bryce Young and CJ Stroud both kind of had, again, they were like first class problems, but Bryce Young kind of got his ass kicked in, in the, uh, you know, in the national championship. Now he played okay, but just he lost a major game. And at Alabama, that's a pretty big deal. And obviously, CJ Stroud got worked. Now, again, he wasn't terrible, but his team lost. It's a team game against Michigan. So they've had some moments of adversity, right? And the other thing is that when both guys got drafted, now Montana was not a six round pick, he was a third round pick. And obviously, Brady was pick 199. They didn't play right away. Now, Joe didn't play right away because the team wasn't very good. And Walsh was like throwing out Steve DeBerg and just wanted Joe to learn. And there's a point in the in the uh, documentary, I think it's like 1980, they're playing the Cowboys, and DeBerg is just getting destroyed. I mean, they're getting blown out, and Montana is like hiding from Bill Walsh, and even he says it on the documentary, like, I didn't want Bill to see me because I didn't want to throw him in. And then a bunch of teammates said that Bill had told them, like, I was never going to put Joe in that game. And obviously, Tom, being a six-round pick, you're going to have to work your way up the depth chart. By his second year, he was the backup to Drew Bledsoe. So he did that, but he did get to learn, which doesn't really happen anymore. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, all these guys get thrown in to the fire immediately. Some of them, you know, I'm a big believer in the cream rises, but as we talked about with situations, like some situations, we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence later, could just destroy you, can just ruin your career. You know, these guys, let's, let's face it, both of them greatly benefited from their situation. Bill Belichick drafted Tom Brady. Bill Walsh drafted Joe Montana. Changed their careers. You know, and, and one thing that's especially where I live, and it's I guess it's Tom Brady's, I mean, one of the most famous athletes in the history of America. One famous like kind of thing surrounding Tom Brady is that the 49ers passed on him for Gio Carmazzi and Bill Walsh, you know, who at the time was the general manager. Well, watching the the Montana documentary, Montana, I've, I've listened to the Steve Young book. Bill Walsh liked athletic quarterbacks. You know another guy that Bill Walsh brought to the 49ers? Jeff Garcia. He liked guys that could move. He never, you can like a player, think like, I think that's pretty, that guy's pretty good, but I would never draft him. Like Al Davis, I think we think of the Al Davis in like the, the guy that was losing his mind, the projection screen with Lane Kiffin. For a long period of time, Al Davis was like the smartest guy in the league. You know, I've, I remember last time at the Combine a couple years ago, sitting in Andy Reid's, uh, in his hotel room when I interviewed him for this podcast, we were BSing after, and he was just telling Al Davis stories. Al liked Andy. I mean, offensive guys. But you ever talk to football guys to talk to Ant, to Al Davis, like, in his prime? I mean, it, the guy was, like, brilliant. But Al, like, would not draft guys with weak arms. That was not, he. that was a non-starter. Anyone that didn't run a 4-4, he ain't drafting slow guys. They just have philosophical beliefs on who can be on their team. That doesn't mean you can go, I like. I think that guy's going to be a good player. He just doesn't fit my... Now, I'd argue that you should be a little more open-minded to do that, but some guys just stay with what they believe in and then they never really pivot. Well, Bill Walsh never would have drafted Tom Brady. Not in a million years. Too slow. Too, his feet weren't fast enough. He couldn't move. And even Tom admitted like he got faster in his career because he changed his diet. He really worked on it. But he's not a... Uh, you know, a quick-footed athlete. That, that ain't Tom's deal, even to this day. Even though you could argue at 44 years old, he's probably moving better than he ever has. Now, for Tom to retire, like, he clearly can still play. 
We could argue where he was this year. Best quarterback, second best quarterback, third best quarterback. He's clearly one of the best guys in the league. At 44 years old, that is not debatable. He is by far the most intelligent guy in the league. And from an arm strength standpoint, his arm looks every bit as strong as it has the last 15 years. You could argue even stronger. So he's leaving because he's just over it. Most guys, like, what's he going to do, play forever? There had to be a time when Tom's like, where's the end game to this? What is the end game? I, I cannot accomplish anymore. Football, is, it's not like golf either, where you just you can just play the rest of your life, right? Football ends. And once you stop playing football, unless you're like Jerry Rice and Brett Favre in the Copper Sleeve commercial, which I would imagine they're not playing very much pickup football. When your career ends at whatever age you are, whether it's high school, whether it's college, or the pros, you then no longer ever play football again. You may play catch with your kid, right? But you're not just playing like pickup football leagues, it's not like, hell, basketball, if you want to, if you're not risking, like, I, I I quit playing pickup probably three or four years ago because I didn't want to tear an Achilles. I don't want to be on crutches, right? You know, but but you can keep playing in your 40s and 50s as you want. Obviously, golf and tennis, you can play in your 60s and 70s. Football is a game that whatever, whatever age you play from an organized standpoint, when you stop, most of us are told we're just not good enough, or when you retire at the highest level, it ends. You never play football Again, so maybe he's just wrapping his head around like, am I truly cool with just never doing this again? Beside playing catch every once in a while with guys. And I'm sure actually Tom is going to act because whenever you hear his former teammates talk about how he acts as kind of a mentor, like he'll always pick up the phone. He'll always help out their kids. Like I think he's very, very passionate about creating what he created, which is this, you know, I don't want to say fountain of youth, but kind of a hack. And kind of a way which not many people are going to be able to do. As someone who struggles with discipline with my eating, I marvel at his ability. And it's easy to be like, oh, it's easy. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's it's really not. I don't care how much money's on the line. Most people, the overwhelming percentage of human beings on this earth uh, struggle with discipline in their life, regardless whether it's food whether it's, you know, their job, whatever it is. They're, they're not very disciplined people. It's why the disciplined people, I would say, consistently separate in, you know, just in, in business, right? The more disciplined you are, the easier it is to separate from the pack. In Tom's discipline, second to none. It, it was second to none. So, um, you know, we'll see how this story plays out, but, you know, it clearly feels like where it's trending. Because ESPN, if you watched all weekend, Tom Tom Brady Sr. Uh, went on like local news here in the Bay Area. He's like, he is not retiring. And then you turn on ESPN before the games. And like Fox, everyone's just talking like he's retiring. It's like they, they pivoted away from their story. Other big story also connected to Tom is Josh McDaniels. And Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And Josh McDaniels will basically just take over for John Gruden. Because John Gruden, for the last you know three and a half years before he fired or quit or however you want to describe what happened with the text message, had full control of the organization. Literally everything went through him. And say what you want about Mark Davis, uh, you know he's clearly financially in the lower tier of the league. He is a good owner to work for as a head coach. He'll let you do whatever the fuck you want. You can pick any player. You can run any scheme. You can do whatever you want. There is, we'll talk about John Mara a little bit later. Like, he likes to have his hand in the cookie jar. Mark does not. Mark, I'll give you what you need. Here's the money. Sign, do whatever you please. 
whatever you please. I saw it with Jack Del Rio. I saw it with John Gruden. And it'll happen again with Josh McDaniels. To me, the question is with Josh McDaniels is I'm not even going to hold him that much against Denver. He was 33 years old. That was a long time ago. But it's not really arguable that there was a big mistake made there, right? They took Tim Tebow in the first round. Tim Tebow was not an NFL player. And it was like, well, I want a playoff game. Yeah, it's like, that was like an act of God. <laughs> that, 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 was, that, that, that was a one-off situation in the sport of football. And Josh was fired a year and a half in. The cheating scandals, whatever. If you watch him and the Patriots tweeted out something earlier this month of him and his family talking about the last you know 10 years since coming back, he clearly feels like a more balanced person than when you heard Joe Judge talk. And unlike Joe Judge and some of these guys, like Josh, let's just use Joe Judge as an example. Josh McDaniels calls the offense. Now, how good of an offensive coordinator he is, I think most people, if you just say Josh McDaniels, say he's one of the better offensive coordinators in the league. Well, for a long period of time, you had Tom Brady, which, you know, by the time, especially the second go around, like Tom Brady was the best player in the league. So when he came back in 2011 or 12 or whatever, when Bill O'Brien left, Tom Brady was in the peak of his powers. They had Gronk, they had Edelman. You know, I would imagine most above average offensive coordinators would have thrived. Now, is everyone getting along with Tom? You know, we'll see. I mean, he's basically just had a couple offensive coordinators in his life, right? Weiss, Josh, Bill O'Brien, Josh and now Leftwich and Arians, which I think we all consider Weiss, you know, whatever. Billy O's better than the way social media talks. Josh, I think time's going to tell because Bill picks every single player. Now, did Josh learn more when he turned down the Colts? Because I think it's easy to shit on him for turning down the Colts, and it didn't go well in the sense of he hired people on the staff, everyone was ready for him to come, and then he backed out last minute. But put yourself in a situation we all have second thoughts. It, it, it's easy to say, you got to follow up on your word. That's something we're all taught when we're kids. You got to follow up on your word. And then you realize business, yeah, contracts can be broken. I can get fired at any moment. Like, you know, you got to do you. You got to do your family. You got to do what you're comfortable with, right? There, there's a difference between you're not allowed to quit Little League because you said you wanted to play baseball. And there's also a difference of, yeah, I, I don't feel that comfortable actually taking this job. And if I am, I'm better off telling you I don't want the job, I'm not coming, than coming and being half half in and then like quitting a year or two in. So I, when it comes to big business, that shit doesn't bother me as much. But I do wonder like, is he some guy that waffles? Is he some guy that's somewhat insecure? Insecure is probably the wrong way to describe it, but just unsure given his previous you know, situation years ago. I don't know. You should improve over time. We should be getting a different Josh. But don't get it twisted. They're, they're announcing, as I'm recording this, I think the, the new general manager, who's also a Patriot guy, who was Josh's teammate at John Carroll, Dave Ziegler. Dave Ziegler answers to Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is going to have the John Gruden role with the Raiders. Now, one thing they have to figure out, because the Raiders have been a train wreck at this, pick some good players in the first round. Can, can we stop taking terrible NFL football players in the first round? Damon Arnett just can't put down the guns. The guy is a complete fucking loser. Cleland Farrell, high character guy, terrible at football. I mean, that, that pick is just absolutely atrocious. I didn't mind the Henry Ruggs pick, and I think he was becoming a player. That was something that probably could have happened to any organization. Now, you could argue there's not top golfs open all night in every city, but 
you know, knowing people at Alabama, knowing people that scouted Henry Ruggs coming out, he did not have character red flags, but the situation happened and he's now going to prison for years, surely. So they have to figure out a way to just get some good NFL players high in the draft. And I, I don't know why we would just assume that Josh McDaniel is going to know how to do that. I, there, there are a lot of question marks. This this is a very risky hire. I, I would argue it has high upside, but we've seen it before. It also has a lower floor. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch, but Josh McDaniels gets to run an organization. Bears general manager Ryan Pohl said something today that made me shake my head. And I had to do a re- little research. I, I texted a couple people I said that have been around him. I said, is he a... Is he a really cocky guy? They're like, no, he's actually pretty understated. And he said something today that I honestly can't believe that that came out of his mouth because I don't think there's any point to saying this. And listen, I believe in self-confidence. There's a difference between being self-confidence and like cocky and arrogant. If you do not have self-confidence professionally or personally, try try to get a date with with no self-confidence. Good luck, buddy. It ain't happening. If you tell me some guy is taking a position in any company, a high-level position, and he struggles with self-confidence, I'll short the shit out of that guy. That guy will fail. I do not think you can be successful in any high-level industry without self-confidence. You need it. But there's also a balance of keeping some stuff to yourself. Because in any high-level business, it's very competitive. It is very, very difficult. Things are not easy. And nothing is a better example of that than the NFL. I say it all the time during the draft. When every single first round, we're watching the draft on television, right? And they go picks one through 32. When they go to every single draft meeting, or I mean draft room, after the the pick is in, and we've drafted John Middlecoff, if it's the Minnesota Vikings, they're going nuts. They're hugging, they're kissing, they're high-fiving. They're, they're just, unless you have Tom Donahoe in like the third round, then he'd want you to pick someone else. But for the most part, every single organization is celebrating their pick. No one thinks they miss it. But as we see every single year, half those picks, those guys can't play. And Ryan Poles, who's a younger guy, so he's my age. I'm rooting for him to be good. I loved watching all these younger guys get GM spots. Sorry, old guys, we're taking over. Millennials are here. <laughs> we're coming for all your jobs. But Ryan Poles, who, again, I've been told is an understated, kind of a low-key guy, said, we are taking the North. This is what he said today in his press conference. We are taking the North, and we're never giving it back. Now, if someone told him, like, hey, man, Aaron Rodgers is getting traded in, like, two months, I'd be, I'd be happy, too. I'd be, that's a big deal to me. You look around, you go, Kirk Cousins, not losing any sleepover, Dan Campbell and the Lions. But here's what I do know. The Packers, historically, for 30-plus years, have been consistently winning. And as Aaron Rodgers said, I own you. He's also saying, like, our franchise owns you. We've been kicking your ass. The Minnesota Vikings have just been consistently better than you. And the Lions have a long way to go. They got several picks. You don't even have a first-round pick. I just don't understand. Listen, your personality is your personality. And I I, I never believe in being fake, right? Part of the reason Bill Belichick's able to act like Bill Belichick kind of comes naturally, though. If you watch Andy Reid's press conference, you watch Kyle Shanahan's press conference, they don't look like that. These guys, they're all just being themselves. But I do think there's a balance. And I talked about this last week after some of those crazy games in the divisional round. There's a reason you're humble in victory because it's so easy to go the other way. There's nothing wrong with saying, I can't wait to do whatever I can do to help the Chicago Bears win. I will spend every waking moment doing everything humanly possible to try to get us to win this division. Winning this division means a lot to us. 
And there's a difference in saying we're taking back the, back the North and we're never giving it back. Taking back the North. When's the last time you guys had the North? The Packers, it feels like, have won this division 20 of the last 30 years. And the Vikings have won it several times. Like, let's just, let's walk before we run. The other thing is, and I saw this years ago, Jim Harbaugh's last couple years. Jim Harbaugh's teams under Trent Baalke had some criminals. Literally. Guys, I mean, Ray McDonald went to jail for hitting people. Alden Smith, we called him Alden, the cops are coming, Smith. Always getting arrested. I actually think I just read he got arrested within the last couple months. Chris Culliver, the corner, (laughs) once, like, almost hit a biker crossing the street, got out of his car. Culliver was like a low 4-4 guy. Grabbed brass knuckles and chased the guy down the street. They they were basically the Urban Meyer Florida teams. They just were that in the NFL. They had dudes getting arrested left and right. And Jed York came out and said, because it was like the seventh arrest. He's like, we want to win with class. It's like, bro, no one gives a shit. Just, just win. Like, you're not, I say, the NFL is not about teaching moral life lessons. And Jed did, was hard to, he didn't live winning with class down for years. Basically until the Super Bowl year. And when you say something like this and it doesn't go well, people are not going to let it die. People are not going to let you live it down. And it's just so unneeded. Like, you just don't need to say this. Now, unless, like, your owner tells you to say it, then you have no choice. But I doubt that. This doesn't quite feel how the McCaskey family operates. And I I get being excited to have your general manager in the NFL, your GM of the Chicago Bears, enormous brand, big city, passionate city. They love their football team. I just think saying a comment like that in a league that is so competitive, the Minnesota Vikings just hired probably the smartest guy that's ever been a general manager in the history of the league. Now, is he going to be a good GM? I got no clue. But the dude spent like 10 years as a venture capitalist. So if he does know football and can figure it out, that guy's going to be good. The Lions have a million picks. Have a million picks. And you would just say the law of averages, they're bound to hit on some players eventually. And the Packers, like, I think Rodgers is leaving. What if he doesn't? Because if he doesn't and they bring every, they roll it all back, they're still kicking your ass. So I, I just... I don't get it, man. I, I I don't think you gotta be Bill Belichick. You you don't have to do that. You know, yeah, nothing. But you do, like, you don't need to do this. You don't need to be Rex Ryan. And even Rex Ryan, when he was talking a lot of shit, especially toward the end, he had won some playoff games. You know, he 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 I think he'd won four. He'd been to a couple conference championship games. And as an assistant, like he'd won a Super Bowl. I, I know Ryan Poles has won an assistant as or I mean won a Super Bowl as like an assistant executive on the Chiefs, but I just don't love that. I got to give the Giants a little credit uh, because we talked about it. I guess it would have been last week how I was just unsure. Are the Maras going to force Brian Flores on them? They didn't. They let Joe Shane hire his coach. And is it going to work or not? I got no clue. Pretty funny video of, uh, of Dayball driving his F-150 to the Giants facility. I guess he drove from Buffalo showing up, you know, for the press conference in his suit. Now, he had the suit coat on in his truck. Uh so they might have just had him drive down the road for that shot. I don't know because no human alive drives in their car with their suit jacket on. That's just nobody does that. You put it in a hanger, you put it in the you know, the second row of seats and and you hang it up. But they let him hire his guy. So the only way this was going to be successful because they haven't had this in years have a GM and a head coach who are on the same page. That's the only way you have a chance for success. That doesn't guarantee you anything. You they, These guys could easily fail. I would say they are less likely to fail 
because just look at their two resumes. Both of them have been around the block. Both of them have had success. Both of them have been around teams that have lost. Sometimes I, I think that is powerful. I think one problem with some of the Belichick guys that are Belichick guys only, all you do is win. All you do is win. When they when they went 7-9 last year, that was their first losing season in like 19 years. Their first losing season. We talk about like, oh, remember when they missed the playoffs? They still had winning years. So to me, I'm very, very fascinated to watch these guys. They clearly need to get a quarterback. They have two high draft picks. Uh, I would imagine, I mean, Mara said it, they're going to roll Daniel Jones back. I don't think he's any good. Uh, I'd be out on Daniel Jones. But, you know, not everybody's Joe Burrow. Some guys take some time. They clearly need to improve their offensive line. I think it's a pretty easy one for these guys. Just give Daniel Jones another shot and just see how it goes and then able to pivot next year when, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. So I just think it's a better quarterback class. Uh, I, I really do. And last but not least, I saw, I saw Albert Breer wrote this in his MMQB that Trevor Lawrence should ask for a trade. And I couldn't agree more. The Jags are a joke. Now, they've been a joke for a long period of time. Uh, you could have argued he should have asked for a trade last year. Eli Manning, John Elway style. I'm not playing there. Now, he was never going to do that. He's from the South. He's very religious. He feels comfortable in that environment. Uh, when, when they hired Urban Meyer, it probably felt to him on paper like it made some sense. Obviously, that did not go well. But right now, what are they doing? Byron Leftwich, they were going to hire him. And then he said, I'm not working for Trent Baalke. And the one thing you consistently hear, nobody will work for Trent Baalke. And now, I, I, Breer wrote this too, and he's right. How did they all of a sudden land on Kevin O'Connell? They fired Urban Meyer a long time ago. They have known they were looking for coaches a long time ago. Why didn't they have a specific list of, even if it was seven, eight guys, and then figure it out from there? Well, I'll tell you why. Nobody wants to coach this team. And they have, just a year ago, this guy was considered the best quarterback prospect since Luck and Peyton Manning. And now they're completely toxic and it starts with their general manager. And I keep seeing like, well, the owner is so loyal to the general manager. The, the owner is a terrible NFL owner. He has no clue what he's doing. You know, he might, they're running some uh, competitive wrestling against the WWE. Everyone tells me that's going well. He clearly is a good businessman, made tons of money. But when it comes to his football team, they are an embarrassment. They, they, they truly, they have no clue what they're doing. I actually think the Texans, everyone makes a big deal. Like, how can you hire Josh McCown? Well, fuck, how can you hire Uberflus? I, I could never have hired Uberflus. No chance. This notion that Josh McCown would be any worse than the majority of these guys that have been hired over the years is laughable. Is at, Joe Judge ran a quarterback sneak on third and nine. So just this notion that all, just because you're an assistant coach in the NFL means you're any good is bullshit. I would say half the coaches in the NFL are stealing. May, I mean, the average position coach is making four or five hundred grand. If you took away their whistle and had them get a regular job, most of them are making like fifty grand. So let's not act like they are just these well-rounded, dominant individuals. They're not even that great at their own field. So this notion that Josh McCown would be a joke. Now it does feel they could easily hire Brian Flores as well, but. The Texans don't have that much to deal with, right? It's not like they have a quarterback on the roster. The Jags have Trevor Lawrence going into his second year and can't get anyone to take their job. So I, I don't think he will because it's not, it doesn't feel like an Eli Manning. Part of Eli Manning had a dad that played in the NFL. Part of Elway doing that was he had powerful agents and Jack Elway, who was a football guy. Like I, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I don't think he even knows what he doesn't even know. 
But if he had come from the Manning family, if he had come from you know a family that had been associated with the NFL, if they didn't say it last year, they would 100% be saying it now. Get me out of here. Get me to safety. Come save me. Trade me. I will not play for you anymore. But, you know, there's a reason bad franchises stay bad franchises. And maybe in a couple years, Trevor Lawrence becomes available and he's, you know, some team's able to poach him and save his career. But who who knows? Maybe not. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Really easy. You just slide up into those DMs and you get your question answered here on the show. We'll start with Joseph. Mailbag question. If Stafford wins the Super Bowl, what is the difference in terms of his legacy and Alex Rodriguez? I think you, A-Rod, I think you mean Aaron Rodgers. Let's face it. Both guys are superior talented than most of their position. And all that separates them was a Super Bowl. Now that changes, right? Well, Rodgers has had the far superior career. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers hater. Uh, as a player, he's remarkable. He's been dramatically better for the last decade than Matt Stafford. Now, he's always stood up for Matt Stafford. He's always supported Matt Stafford and acted like he was underrated. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers was a big Matt Stafford fan. 
their legacies, the difference, like Rodgers' legacy, you know, he's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Now, he's got some blemishes, right? The only have one Super Bowl is pretty crazy for a player of his caliber, but he's not done yet. You know, he still has, <clears throat> if you base it on Tom Brady years, you could argue like three or four years left at a really high level. Hell, four or five. He could still do some things. Matt Stafford, though, 33 years old, really could go on a run now with McVay if they keep building this thing. What if he has like a five or six year run where he's going to the playoffs all the time? He wins a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, he, Stafford would have a way to go to match Rod, Rodgers. But yeah, I definitely think that he could improve on that legacy. Okay, from uh, Wacy Ortman. I don't even know if there's a real name. Maybe it is. If it is, cool name. I think Kyle is an offensive coach who missed the calling on defense. Not trying to shit on him, but he's a coach who wants ultra-controlling things. If he calls the shots, it'll work. And does for the most part. Leaning heavily on the run is the best way to control as a coach and limit mistakes. It's what every defensive coach hammered for, but when Kyle does it, he's a genius. He establishes physicality and can motivate like crazy. Yeah, the difference, though, is Kyle gashes people in the run game. Kyle's run game without like Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, or Adrian Peterson kicks ass. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. His scheming of the run game, Kyle's schemer, his ability to scheme his offense is fantastic. Most defensive coaches like run the ball up the gut. I'm not saying Kyle every once in a while will run up the gut and it won't work, but Kyle's runs are pretty remarkable. Like I, I've watched every call, every play call he's had in his career as a head coach. He's been fucking pretty good. He has bad games, and that's that's human. Like, to me, it's always like, you can't... Cr- no, you, I, you criticize. Like, Andy Reid, you, you can be critical of what they did at the end of the first half. You can be critical of what Kyle did on second and short and third and short. That doesn't mean they're not great coaches. It doesn't mean Coach Reid's not going to the Hall of Fame. It doesn't mean Kyle Shanahan's one of the best young coaches in the league. But you can have a bad day. I love Mike Vrabel. They had a bad day. There's nothing wrong with that. It's life. I have bad shows. You have bad days at the office. It's the way the world works. McVay was terrible. McVay didn't have any timeouts in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, hey, John, quick question for you. Do you watch games alone with friends at a bar? Does it change depending on the week? I, I watch most of my games alone. Uh, th- th- I do this for a living. You know, I, I-, I need to stay locked in. Uh, Saturdays, for college football, I don't talk about as much. Like, I go out. You know, I go I go out drinking with the boys or the ladies, you know, maybe got a little lady friend here and there. But I, I do like sat, Sunday's a work day for me. Sunday's my Monday. Sunday and Monday are enormous days, you know, to stay locked in, to stay clear headed. Uh, you know, some days if I get after it too much on Saturday, I, I don't even like being thrown off on Sunday. Uh, so it's like, I, you know, now I'm not a big go out guy anyway. But I, I, I would say my schedule is a little weird. I mean, just depending on what's going on. I don't really have days of the week. It just revolves around football. You know, it's not like I'm Monday through Friday and then get the weekend off. All my days kind of blend together. Now, during the off season, it changes a little bit. But I, I, I do enjoy uh, the NFL watching alone. Saturdays, Fridays, you know, if games are on, whatever. But I'll, I'll go. I have watched games at bars or hell, I'll go to games. Sunday, though, is just... Me, it's gonna be. I'm gonna have to adapt when I get. Uh, I mean, who knows? I gotta find a. I gotta find a mate, but a family. It'll be interesting. But you know, football pays the bills, and right now it's doing pretty well. But yeah, I, I enjoy watching football by myself. But I was like that, like as a scout. You know, I I was like that when I was young. 
I, I've liked watching games by myself for 20 plus years, and I'm not that old. Been a listener of yours since the beginning. Appreciate it from Travis. Love the pod, and I hope you keep doing what you're doing. I've been a lifelong Cowboys fan, and after watching what Burrow can do with his leaky O-line, I can only think of what an indictment it is on Dak Prescott. That being said, I'm a fan of Dak, and I don't blame just him. We always have the talent, but it just seems like the team is too entitled. Players never end up performing up to their salary. Question. What can the team do to send a message to the players that crappy, boneheaded plays won't be tolerated? Example. Gregory was coddled for years for his lack of discipline, and he ends up making crucial mistakes in the playoff game. Fucking tired of being disappointed. P.S. Not a fan of McCarthy. It starts with your coach. You either, you know, the age-old saying goes, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. The coach sets the tone. What you want in your organization gets set by your head coach. Then it breeds, you know, bleeds down to your best player. And for you... You know, Dak's not your best player, but he is your highest paid player and he's your leader. Uh, I I just think that, I don't know. You know, as long as McCarthy's there, I I don't think you're going to be the button-up operation. It's just not going to happen. You know, and obviously your organization's unique because of the juice Jerry has. You know, no team has... It's weird. When I say meddlesome, it sounds worse than it actually is because Jerry, they clearly do a good job. They draft well. uh, They're competitive. But Jerry's always, you know, talking to the media. Jerry's always involved in the contracts. I admire the shit out of Jerry. I, I am not one of those people. But again, I'm way more pro business than anyone that talks about sports beside about five. So I, I admire a lot of things that Jerry brings to the table and what he's done around the Cowboys. But from a pure football standpoint, you know, I, I think he can make it challenging and empower guys. Because think about it. When you're a parent, right, in my life, like it, it was like my dad was the hammer. My mom was a little softer, right? And every you know house is different. And they'd be like, wait till your dad comes home, right? And you always knew that you could go to your mom if your dad said no. And as you get older, like maybe you get a job. Well, you know, if you work for a guy and he's a middle manager, you go like, this guy doesn't have any juice. I'll go to the boss. I'll go to the decision maker. You learn that pretty early in life. Don't waste any time talking to people that aren't don't have decision making powers or those that can influence decision making powers. So if I'm a player, the coach can yell at me, but if I'm Jerry's guy, like why do I really care? McCarthy can't cut me. Any advice you'd give the young guys trying to break into the industry? Personally, I'm a University of Central Florida studying business, but all I want to do is talk sports. Should I start a YouTube channel? Change my majors or what? Do not change your major. Just your opinion would be fantastic. I would I would stay as a business major. If you want to get involved in the world of talking sports, you know, I, I can only speak from my perspective. You know, the people that come up the quote unquote media way, right? Try to get a job at a at a media entity and be a personality, it is tough. Right. And I would say most people you see on TV, let's just use a couple guys, like Stephen A. Smith or Colin Coward. Stephen A. was a writer for 20 years in transition because, let's face it, no offense to any writers listening, but your your industry's struggling. It's not nearly as powerful as it was when I was a kid or even before that. It's trending in the wrong direction. The written word has never been less powerful, right? Just in terms of the people that consume it, right? That's why newspapers die a little more every day. You know, the non like New York Times or Wall Street Journal because those guys those have a huge, huge, uh, you know, base 
But I bet that base tends to be a little older, where the reason YouTube and video stuff is really big is because that's where all the money is. And that's where all the advertisers go. So Stephen A quit writing and went into TV. Bill Simmons quit writing and went into talking. All the money is in video and audio. Think about how we consume. We watch television and we listen to podcasts or listen to whatever on through our phone. So I would try to do things that get you reps at that. But if you're just a 23-year-old guy with a business major who just talks about sports, I'm not trying to be an asshole. You're kind of a dime a dozen. But like the way I did it, and again, I do not recommend doing this, I got involved in football. So it gave me credibility, and then luckily I just know how to talk, right? So I can talk, but people go, oh, this guy's worked in football. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't, me and Coward never would have met each other. He'd be like, who's this guy? There's a million of me's. So you got to find a way to separate from the pack. And, you know, when I was in college, it was like, get a job in a newspaper or something. I would not recommend that. <laughs> One, they don't even pay. Two, I, I don't necessarily know. I can only speak from my experience. Uh, you know, you got to find a way to be different. That, to me, is key. And then, once you find a way to get different, someone will give you, hopefully, a, an opportunity. Because, ultimately, you could start a YouTube channel. I would do that. But it's going to be hard. Like people aren't just going to watch unless you just naturally find some algorithm. Uh, I, I would try to work on a way to separate from the pack. And I, I don't know what that answer is for you. I, I didn't, wasn't thinking like this when I was in college. I was just trying to make it. I was just trying to work in football. And then you just kind of got led down a different path. But if I had just never worked in football and just gone media, I would not have the. I would not be here today. I truly believe that. I, I know that for a fact. Uh, I, I mean, sorry, that's not great advice, but I, I, my number one advice, try to find a way to separate from the pack. You know, whether that's with a legal background, whether that's may, maybe get involved for a couple years with a team, just so you have some inside information. Because uh, you can always transition to this. Always. Just wanted to hop in the DMs and remind you that you said the Bengals fans were crazy if we thought we were going to go to Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes. Just to rub it in a little. Who day? I did. Absolutely stunned. Two days later, while well, I'm recording this Monday afternoon, blown away. I mean, I it's fucking nuts. Again, I lost several thousand dollars because of the Chiefs. Though I still love all those guys. And uh <clears throat> it's football's hard, man. I this is why this is what I'm saying about Ryan Poles. Football is so hard. It's hard enough when you're good. And you have Patrick Mahomes, and you have Jason or Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill, and Chris Jones. It's hard to win games when you suck to like kind of like act like you're going to be something. Andy Reid has never talked like that. Kyle, I've never heard Kyle Shanahan say those words. Sean McVay, the craziest thing I've ever seen him do is celebrate in the end zone after a touchdown. You, you, the, just look at Belichick. Complimentary. Complimentary. Even though behind closed doors, you can talk shit. The best part of my job, I can say whatever I want. Ultimately, I'm just trying to get more of you to listen. Those guys, their job is to try to win, you know, 17 games. They're trying to win 10, 11 of them to get into the dance and then try to make a Super Bowl run. I, I, I just don't, I don't get it. And everything I've heard about the guy, he's a high level guy, but to just say you're going to run the North. I don't know, man. I, I think that's a poor tactic. Thoughts on Lincoln Riley and the rebuild. Uh, I mean, I think Lincoln Riley's a baller. So at USC, he's going to get players. 
I know he got a couple transfers. He got Jerry Rice's kid from Colorado transferred. We'll see what happens to uh, Caleb Williams, the quarterback. But he's immediately trying to even think. Mario left. Um, you know, David Shaw's team's terrible. Chip's average. Uh, Herms, Edwards, programs and shambles. Love my guy, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State. Washington, Washington State, their coach is uh, Dubor. I, I like Dubor. I watched it, actually. But, you know, he's, it's a big step up from Fresno State to the University of Washington. Lincoln Riley's the best coach in the Pac-12. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the country. So now, like I said, when he was hired, the only question I have is when Pete Carroll was awesome at USC, when Nick Saban has dominated for a couple de- you know, a decade, when LSU won their team, you can't, obviously, you got to have good offensive players. Offense was never a problem for him. He always had star quarterbacks, star wide receivers, star running backs, and NFL linemen. They didn't have the defense. Where Pete Carroll separated himself, pass rushers, linebacking play. They were so good in the front seven, they could out-physical people. It's why they could beat the SEC teams. And I, I just don't know. We'll have to see if Lincoln... I know, he, I know he understands that, but if he... There's a difference between knowing what you need to do and truly like thinking about it 24-7, 365. Because to me, his number one goal should be to get defensive players. Offensive things, it's going to be easy. <laughs> Offense is not the problem. As someone who bet on Jason Day this weekend... Chipping and putting for Jason Day, he could do that in his sleep. Jason Day is one of the best putters on the PGA Tour every time he plays. His short game is stupid. It's all about his back not getting hurt and hitting fairways. If Jason Day is going to hit fairways, he's going to have a chance to compete in any PGA golf tournament. If Lincoln Riley gets a defense, he'll be able to hang with anybody. That's a big if. Is it time to stop talking about the intangibles of Dak? We just watched Joe Burrow on a rookie contract take... Two Tiger teams to the championship game without the best coach, team, and physical skills. Love the show. No, I mean, in- intangibles matter. Part of Joe Burrow's story is his intangibles. Joe Burrow has elite intangibles. When you say the it factor, he's got it. I think we question, like, I think Dak has good intangibles. Like, I think he's a good leader. I think he's tough. I think Dak's problem is physical skills. Joe Burrow's just a better thrower of the football. Joe Burrow is just a better quarterback. I'd say intangibles, they actually feel kind of similar. The Dax intangibles are not the problem. I think we need to talk more about Dak's accuracy, about Dak's arm strength, about Dak's playmaking ability. That, to me, is the issue. Intangibles, I, I, I never get tired of talking intangibles. We should celebrate good people, especially in a time and age when everyone on social media is fucking miserable. I, I, I'm all, I, I, I have no issue. Like I thought Dak was pretty terrible against the Niners. But I respect the shit out of that guy as a human being. And the NFL, I say it all the time, is full of great people. But not them all are great players. You know, Dax is not a great player. What do you think of McDaniels and the Raiders fit? Raiders and Waller in his scheme seem to be intriguing. I talked about it earlier. Uh, I would say he's going to love Hunter Renfro. <clears throat> the league loves Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is an elite slot receiver. Elite. And Darren Waller, when healthy, is incredible. Uh, it would be interesting to see who he hires as a defensive coordinator. I actually think they got some pieces on the, you know, on the team. They need to find a right tackle. Uh, they need to find a true outside wide receiver. They just need better personnel in their back seven. But it's it's not a bad starting spot at all. Would you take Alave or London? Settle this silly argument. Well, when London broke his ankle. 
during the season, I had a buddy who told me that he thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft. Now, he's not a fast player. Uh, I'm sure he won't be able to run by the combine because of the ankle. I mean, Alave, guys like Alave, I would say, tend to translate more consistently to the NFL. But when Drake London's do hit, if I remember correctly, I think Mike Evans was like a 4-4 guy. I, I don't know how fast Drake London is. But his ball skills, his physical nature, if he can play like, if it translates to the NFL, he can dominate. Now, you can see guys like that, you know, Chase Claypool. It's like, damn, Chase Claypool is a freak, right? But there are a lot of guys that are freaks that don't turn into anything. I don't know about Alave. I'm assuming he's a good character, good guy, hard worker. I have a hard time seeing Chris Alave suck. Now, also, being a wide receiver, it's like, what if I go to a team that has a crappy quarterback? Right? If I play wide receiver for the Giants or I play wide receiver for the Chiefs, it looks a little bit different. You put Drake London with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, I bet he's awesome. You put Chris Olave with Daniel Jones or Jimmy Garoppolo, might not look as great. And I'm not, that's, that's, I'm sorry, Jimmy. You're, you shouldn't be in the same sentence as Daniel Jones, but you know what I mean. I've listened to you since Collins Feed. Uh, big fan. Appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, I live near Modesto, so I'm not that far from you. Nice to have someone local that knows the Niners so well, but also everyone around the league. I know you like to bet a little bit, and I was on my bookie, and I figured this play out and figured I'd share it with you. KC isn't going to lose. Yeah, we were wrong. He shared a parlay. And uh, and we both lost. He did put $1,000 in the Niners' money line. I did that as well. Also lost. You know, gambling, I, I love gambling when someone puts it out like uh, Action Network often does this. Maybe Darren Ravel, who's a little weirdo, but he's got some fun nuggets every once in a while. That someone mid-Chiefs game put $200,000 on the Chiefs to win $12,000. I never understand that bet, even though I kind of do. Like if I had $500 million and I just had a bank, you know, with a couple million dollars just to always bet with, I'd be like, well, I could turn $300,000 into 15K in an hour. Where else can you do that? You can't, right? So it's just, it's probably boredom, but it's sports, man. You know, I, 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 I never, I've never been a big fan of betting a lot on money line teams. Like this team, you got to bet, you know, $1,000 to win 100. It's like, that bet sucks. Or even like $1,000 to win 400. I'm, I'm good. Why is everybody only talking about Jimmy G today? Yes, it was a boneheaded play. The run to the fullback on fourth and two was one of the worst nails in the coffin. They dropped the interception was another one. Most importantly, the corners were terrible. They couldn't cover a wall with 10 gallons of paint. They seem to watch the D-line, and if it's not a sack, then they then they try to cover. Yeah, I mean, the Niners got beat, man. I, I agree. I mean, the Niners got outplayed. Rams outplayed them. Rams took it to them. Most of the game, the Rams took it to them. Niners had a couple good drives. Defensively, they were terrible on third down. You know, they couldn't really get the pressure like they have the last couple of weeks. Part of that, you know, I'm not I'm not here bitching, but, you know, the, the one thing, and I'm good with this. I, I, I always say this about the NBA, swallow your whistle. Let the kids play. I, if you're not going to call holding, I'm cool with it. If you're not going to call hard fouls, I'm cool with it. This, this is the playoffs. I don't need you to overregulate the game. Let them play. Let them play. I don't need PI called on every play. It does not bother me. I'm always, it's why James Harden gets throttled in the playoffs. They don't fucking blow the whistle every time you drive to the basket, homie. That doesn't work, right? It's skill game. 
figure it out. Michael Jordan got taken out. He figured it out. Kobe figured it out. Jerry Rice figured it out. The best players figure it out. But in one-off games, if you're kind of feeling your way and you're like, they're not calling it, it can cost you. And I think you saw that just, again, totally cool with the referees. not Now, I don't know if the TV was on the same page as the in-house clock. There were several uh, delay games that they did not call in that game. Uh, definitely Niners benefited on one, two, but the Rams, it felt like, benefited on like three. Again, like they say that the white line, or not the white line, but the red line or the yellow line, where uh, you know the first down marker is, they say is not an actual representation. You know, it's not, that's not an official line. I don't, I don't know if the clock on TV is official, but if it is, they were not, but I, like I say all the time, the referees are terrible and the NFL doesn't care. I think, listen, I, this is not a shot at you Bengals fans. I know you're passionate. I know you love your team. I, you know, is the NFL thrilled that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl? We'll see. Well, the ratings, it might, it might not matter. I'm a lifelong Rams fan and just watched them finally put the Niners away and it feels like the biggest game of McVay's career so far. My question is, with Cup's performance all year long, I wonder why he isn't getting more consideration for MVP. Well, the MVP, the voting's over. So, I mean, I, I think we all assume Rodgers won. I think it's just simple. They, they're not, it's a quarterback award. They might as well just announce it's a quarterback award. Cooper Cup threw 20 games. I did the math. 170 catches. 2,300 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like, the, the guy is in a completely different level. But they're just not going to vote for him. They're just, they're just not. He has no chance to win the MVP. It's it's a quarterback award, which we could argue stupid, but it is what it is. I'd give my left arm to see the Jets make the playoffs, and I was just curious on what you take is on the possibility of a Bengals-like rebound in 22. I know the division is brutal, but do you think Zach Wilson has the chops? Uh, I think it would be an enormous stretch. Zach Wilson hasn't shown anything near Joe Burrow. I mean, what Joe Burrow did at LSU in the highest level, Zach Wilson did against like, you know, Weber State and Cal Poly and Coastal Carolina. And actually, he didn't even play well against Coastal Carolina. He's a major work in progress. But in fairness to Zach Wilson, who showed signs, their defense was atrocious. Atrocious. So if you can't play defense, Josh Allen, obviously the Bills are way better than you. I mean, the Patriots are dramatically better than you too. And the Dolphins, while they got issues, now we'll see. Who knows who their coach is going to be. I, I I don't think you can make the playoffs. <laughs> but if Zach Wilson is a pro bowler, then maybe you could win eight, nine games. I would say if Zach Wilson's a pro bowler in 2022, it'd be one of the biggest stories of the league. I mean, their defense, I, didn't they? I mean, I heard people saying this. They had one of the worst defenses in franchise history. And their head coach is a defensive guy. I, what I don't understand about Robert, and I like him, Sala, you're a 40, 41-year-old guy. Hire you to be head coach. I want you to call the defense. I'm not, I, I don't understand these young guys that don't call the side of the ball for the reason that they got hired. If I wanted a CEO, I'd call up Warren Buffett and ask for his advice who to hire. I, I'm looking for a young gun who can call plays. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, LaFleur. Andy Reid once upon a time when he was hired. Sean Payton when he was hired. Hell, even Bruce Arians and Mike Zimmer, they were in their 60s when they finally got a job. What did they do? They coordinated their side of the ball at Arizona and Minnesota. I don't understand why you don't coordinate your side of the ball. That, that really bothers me. It, it just it doesn't add up. Okay, last one. 
I'm not even sure how to bring this up. I keep seeing on social media comments on several different platforms that the NFC and AFC championship games were fixed. My initial take is you're an idiot if you think the NFL is rigged. But not to be completely closed-minded. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you're a crazy asshole for these conspiracy theories, but, you know, kind of resonates. Uh, have you ever encountered or heard rumblings from your contacts or time in the league that this is an issue? There is a lot of money related to betting, so I can't say that I would be surprised. Well, here's why it's not possible. Let's just use a regular season example. Patrick Mahomes makes $40 million, right? Tom Brady's making $25 million. You got Aaron Donald making $20 million. What gambling company is going to be able to pay them? It was easy to fix in the the Black Sox days of 1920. No one was making any money. Hell, it was easy to fix stuff in the 70s and 80s. A guy might be making 200 grand to play pro sports. So it's like, hey, I'll give you 50 grand. So if I'm making 200 grand in 1985 and someone pays me a quarter of my salary to to you know, incomplete, throw a couple incompletions. I'm not saying that happened. It pencils. What can you pay me to get me to put my career on the line and, and serve jail time if I get caught? I make, if I'm, let's just say a quarterback, let's say I'm Matt Stafford. I make $35 million a year. So I basically make $2 million a week during the season. Well, what are you going to do? Place a $50 million bet? You place a $50 million bet on the Rams game, and let's say you're trying to indu- you know, get Stafford to throw the game. The 50, Once you place a $50 million bet, the feds would be you know, triggered. They would know about it. The casinos, the red flags would go off. But again, if I'm Matt Stafford, let's say you're going to give me $10 million. What's $10 million actually worth to me? I'm already worth $300 million, and I make, million, I make $2 million a week, and I'm the only guy that truly can influence it. Even a coach. Okay, you can give a coach a million dollars. Well, if I'm Sean McVay, I make 10. So is $1 million going to be worth it? I, I think these guys make way too much money now. Maybe you could do it You could do it in college sports, potentially, but I, I think it's impossible in the pros because all the star players that dictate the games and even the coaches, even a lower-paid coach, like you have a $5 million a year job. Even if someone's going to pay me five hundred grand to you know keep a point spread close or not cover... It's just not worth it. It would be worth it if you're making 50 grand and someone's offering you 500 grand, but that's it's the complete opposite. And the moment you place a bet of any consequences, it gets flagged. You, no one would even take that bet. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find to be able to place a bet like bigger than a couple million dollars, unless you're quote unquote high roller in a place. But the high rollers, like they would keep close tabs on those guys. So I, I just zero chance it was rigged. Now I do think the referees greatly impact the game. Now, could they be on the take? We've seen it before. I grew up a Sacramento Kings fan. I ditched them because they're the worst franchise in all of sports. Uh, I'm, I'm conditionally loyal to any sports team. And the Sacramento Kings, boop, got the boot. But, you know, Tim Donaghy once screwed them with the LA Lakers. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. He was in bed with the mob. I actually read his book. I have it sitting on the bookcase over there. He used to go to the Philadelphia Marriott where when I was with the Eagles, where all of our players would stay. And I would pick them up my first year. And I also pick up Deuce Staley. He was an intern my first year. I used to pick him up to come to work. You know, sometimes he wasn't always on time. I'd be like, Deuce, I'd be calling him. Time to go. I can't be late. They're paying me $18,000. I got to be on time. Deuce would, you know, come down at about 7.15, and then we'd fire to the office. Uh, Good times. I love Deuce Staley. Lions, you should be happy he's on your staff. 
Have a good week. Talk soon. And uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share with your friends. Keep those Middlecoff mailbag questions at John Middlecoff. Uh, also, check out the Go Low Pod. At Go Low Pod is the uh, separate Instagram account for the golf podcast, which will be out come Wednesday. Peace. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.